Welcome to the Plainfield Christian Church Podcast. We hope that the message today encourages you. For additional resources to inspire you in your journey with Christ, connect with us on Facebook and Instagram. Enjoy today's podcast. Please turn your Bibles to Colossians chapter 3. We're going to continue building on last week's message that came from the first four verses of Colossians 3, a great chapter that all has to do about our transformation. It's really about growing in Christ to becoming all that, that we can be in him. And so we want to continue on today. Luke preached to us last week about looking to Jesus, but there's also then this responsibility of taking off. You know, um, one of the benefits of worshiping online is that it doesn't matter what you're wearing. I don't know what you're wearing today. When we film, Luke and I pick what we should wear in front of the camera, but I assure you when we're worshiping with you on Sunday, uh, we could have anything on and you won't see us or know us. And that's sort of a benefit from my perspective anyway. It may not be yours, but it's mine. You know, Mark Twain once said that um, clothes make a man. Naked people have little or no influence on society. And that's true. We have a propensity to judge a book by its cover. It's also true in the lives of children. One study was recorded in a medical journey journal that showed uh, a host of children being given uh, two hamburgers each. They were both McDonald's hamburgers. One hamburger was wrapped in a McDonald's wrapper. The other one was wrapped in plain wrapper. And to the child, they said that the burger and the McDonald's wrapper tasted better than the one and the plain wrapper. So it seems that children uh, judge a food by its wrapper. You know, it ought to be true that when we are born again in Christ, there is such a change that takes place that the world can make a healthy judgment about our lives based upon how we live and how we conduct ourselves. Sadly, not long after we're baptized into Christ, we recognize, don't we, the things that are yet unchanged. God declares us new, but we know so many of the old behaviors stay there and they need to be addressed. And so that's what today's text is all about. We have a responsibility to take off the old. Here's what our text says, chapter 3, beginning in verse 5. Put to death, therefore, whatever belongs to your earthly nature, sexual immorality, impurity, lust, evil desire, greed, which is idolatry. Because of these, the wrath of God is coming. You used to walk in these ways in the life you once lived, but now you must also rid yourselves of all such things as these, anger, rage, malice, slander, filthy language from your lips. Do not lie to each other since you've taken off your old self with its practices and have put on the new self, which is being renewed in knowledge in the image of its creator." Here there is no Gentile or Jew, circumcised or uncircumcised, barbarian, Scythian, slaver free, but Christ is all and is in all. So there you have, we have to keep taking off. Now, you know, a camera is very forgiving, but this shirt has problems on it. It's just not put together very well. In fact, it really needs to go. So, you know, I'm just going to, I'm just going to, just like my own life, I'm just going to start taking it off because this old this old self that we have, this old self that is tattered and torn and broken, and this old life that is, needs to be renewed and made new, it won't work anymore. 
And when the world sees us that way, with still the old things, with the things that just don't, aren't becoming of the Christian, aren't becoming of, uh, uh, it really is, uh, uh, tattered. <laughs> this, this old shirt that it just distracts. Now, if I went out like this, you think, that guy's got problems. Well, the same thing is true in the body of Christ when we live in ways that are unbecoming of Jesus Christ. And so I hope you'll join with me in this study today to really be done with the old. Let's take it off. We don't want anything to do with it. So I want to suggest to you today some things that we really need to be done with as not only what to be done with, but how to do it and, and what's important in the process of taking off. So here are, here are three things to take off. And then I have more, uh, more things to support what I'm saying about taking off today. I hope it will be helpful to you. First of all, we want to take off old behaviors. Now, Paul first says in verse 5, put to death. Now, the word there that he uses means mortify. To mortify. Maybe there's been times when you have said, you know, oh, I'm mortified. It means that you've been exposed, you've been embarrassed. And that's what Paul is saying, that we ought to be embarrassed about the old things, so put them to death. Now, I could have said all through this sermon, uh, die to, die to, die to, but I'm not, because the other imagery he uses is to put on. And that's what we look at next week. Even our text today, it says put on. So we're taking off, and we're putting off. Put to death. Be done with it. And, and the, the tense he uses is imperative. It means do it now. Don't put it off. That's what Paul is telling us to do. And so we're going to be serious about it. Now, I, I look at this, this text and I see all these sins listed. And I, when I was thinking about what to say today, I decided I didn't want to go sin by sin. I didn't want to continue to just go. Name, I, I, don't, I don't think this is a problem for me if I neglect defining the sins. Let's just sum it up like this. Look, if there are sexual sins in your life, if you're having sex with somebody outside a committed uh, man and woman in marriage, be done with it. Don't do that. If you're watching pornography, stop it. If you are lusting after someone, be done with that. If you are in a flirtatious relationship endangering your marriage, run away from that. If you have other kinds of sexual sins in your life, be serious about putting those to death, about taking them off and out of your life. Uh, and if that's a problem, if you, you just can't find a brother, find a sister, find someone to walk with you, to pray with you, to help you, to encourage you, to be accountable to, someone you won't lie to, someone that will, that will, that will ache with you through the process. Anybody have trouble here with, with greed? Stop being greedy, he says. That is not part of our old life. That's a part of our old life, not our new life. Uh, Be content with what you have. Um, What about anger? You angry? Do you have an angry spirit? Are you always always reacting harshly? Do you have relationship issues because you're always flying off the handle? Or maybe you're not like that. Maybe there's an underlying thing in you. There's something seething inside of you. Somebody you haven't forgiven or a grudge you're holding is coming out. Are your kids scared of you? Is your wife worried about what she might say? Does she have to work on, walk on eggshells? I mean, there's all kinds of indications that we have, to be, we have to deal with that anger. Seek counsel. Be done with. Let the Holy Spirit preside in our hearts. Um, what about the tongue? How's your tongue doing? Using it for filthy language or for lying? You know, are you using it for slander, speaking ill of people, gossiping? 
You know, what about malice? You have ill will towards someone because of something they did again. Look, be done with that. Now, you have any questions? It's pretty basic there, isn't it? What we are to put off. But it's so hard, isn't it? This is a cuckoo bird. A cuckoo bird is an interesting bird. It flies around. It doesn't build its own nests. It looks for other nests. It lands there when the mother's gone, and it lays its eggs next to other eggs. So let's say, here's this cuckoo bird. It's flying around. It sees a nest of thrush eggs. The mother isn't there. And so the cuckoo goes in there, lays a couple of eggs, and then flies off. Well, Mrs. Thrush comes back, and she's not very good at math. And so she sits on all these eggs, and eventually they hatch. And there are three little petite thrush mouths, and there is one rather or two rather cavernous uh, cuckoo bird mouths, because cuckoo birds are two to three times larger than thrush. So she flies out and she gets a a big fat juicy worm and she comes back and guess who gets the worm? Of course, it's the cuckoo bird. And the little three thrush grow weaker and weaker and weaker. That's how it is. Quit feeding the big cuckoo in your life. Starve the things that detract from the picture and the image of Jesus. That's what our growth is all about. Take off the old behaviors. Second, take off methodology. Now, we're, we are pretty aware of what sin is. And we try and we try and we try. And maybe you're like me. Sometimes you just run out of steam. And you almost lose heart. You think, why, why should I even try? You know, I I confess this sin, I repent of it, and it just comes back and we get discouraged. Well, maybe we have it all wrong. Martin Luther in the 1500s nailed those 95 theses to the Wittenberg door in Germany. And the first one was this, all of life is repentance. See, I'm saying this because I really think Luther had it right and we've had it wrong because this is typically how we view repentance. We repent when we're baptized because Peter said, repent and be baptized every one of you in the name of Jesus Christ for the forgiveness of your sins. You'll receive the gift of the Holy Spirit. By the way, if you haven't done that, you need to take care of it. So we do that when we're baptized. And then in the course of our life, when we really mess up badly, we repent again. And so there's these times in our life, we have significant points of repentance. Repentance means to change or to turn. Martin Luther had it right because all of life, our relationship with Jesus is a continually turning toward him more and more. Life, repentance is a lifestyle. I'm, I'm falling in love with Jesus more deeply over and over again. That's what it's, what it's, that's what it's about. In Luke chapter 7, Jesus uh, goes to the house of a man named Simon. Uh, Simon's hosting him for dinner. And while Jesus is there, there's this woman that comes in. And she's standing at the feet of of Jesus where he's reclining at the table. And she begins to weep. And she falls to her feet. and And she begins weeping on his feet and dries his feet with her tears. And then she has this perfume with her. And she pours it on Jesus' feet. Now, Simon is thinking... If Jesus knew who this woman was, he wouldn't allow that. She has a bad reputation. He would want nothing to do with her. Jesus knew what Simon was thinking. And he said, Simon, let me tell you a story. There was this money lender. And he had two guys who owned him money. One of them owed him 50 bucks. The other guy owed him 500 bucks. And the money lender forgave both. Now, which man do you think is going to love the money lender more? 
And Simon said, well, the man that was forgiven the $500 more than the 50. And Jesus said, you know, Simon, when I came to your house, you did not provide any water for my feet. And this woman has been weeping over my feet since I came. When I came in, you didn't greet me with a kiss. She hasn't stopped kissing my feet. When I came in, you didn't anoint my head with oil, but she has poured perfume on my feet. Simon, don't you get it? The person who thinks they don't have to have, to have too much to repent from is not going to love very much. But the one who realizes how deeply they have failed God, how much they need newness of life, that's the person who loves well. So how is it with you? To what degree have you been forgiven of your sins? Constantly, we are turning our lives, our service, our faith to Jesus Christ, the one who has forgiven us of a deep, deep abiding debt. And the more we understand that, the more all of life will be a repentance, a turning toward him. Let's love him well. And third, let's take off the excuses. Now, I have five things I want us to say no more about. Five things so that no more excuses are made. First of all, no more denial. Now, I have people from time to time say to me, you know, do we have to talk about sin so much? It seems like when it comes to church, sin always comes up. And there's so much darkness in the world. There's so much blackness. I just want to come. I want to sing. I want to celebrate. And I want to, I, 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 want, I want to be built up. And we want that too. That is our aim. We want to build the body of Christ up. But we can't ignore the danger of sin. That's why the New Testament speaks about sin. It's dangerous not to recognize sin and what can happen to us if we deny that it is always crouching at the door. It is. Um, hypertension, high blood pressure, is called the silent killer. But medical professionals for a long time did not treat it as anything serious at all. In fact, there was a doctor by the name of Dr. J.H. Hall, who in 1931 said the greatest danger to a man with high blood pressure is the discovering of it. Because then some fool is certain to try and reduce it. And there were, con there, there were all kinds of problems that arose in a person's health because they wouldn't accept high blood pressure as being that big a deal. Consider the true story of Frank. Now, when Frank was 54 years old in 1937, he was diagnosed with having mild blood pressure. His blood pressure is 162 over 98. A couple of years later, in 1940, uh, his blood pressure grew to 180 over 88. Uh, nothing was done. A year later, in 41, uh, his blood pressure was 188 over 105. And he was encouraged to maybe uh, not smoke so much and not work so hard. No improvement was noted in his blood pressure. In 1944, his blood pressure continued to climb and he suffered a series of small strokes. And this was followed then by, by classic symptoms of heart failure. He was advised to go on a low salt diet. In February of 45, his blood pressure was 260 over 145. 
Two months later, on April 12th, he was suffering through a terrible, extreme headache. His blood pressure was 300 over 190, and he died later that day. Of course, you know Frank as our 32nd president, Franklin Delano Roosevelt. It is a serious thing to be light about sin, to not take it seriously. So let's be in the practice of not, not denying sin that we see in our lives. It can rear its ugly head and it can take charge of our lives. Let's kill it when we see it. Let's take it off. And by the way, let me say with this, one of the great values of being in community is that we walk with each other through this recovery process because that's what we're doing. We're walking through recovery from the old life and we are in the new life. And to do that in isolation, to do that one hour a week, walking in and being together and walking out is, it, it will, will, will not change us truly from the inside out. We need one another. We need to confess our sins to each other. We need to have someone honest we can talk to. We need to be honest with somebody we can trust. And to me, take a risk. Join a home group get to get to know people where you can experience community and love, acceptance, embrace, have spiritual conversations, eat a meal together, and enjoy a rich fellowship that will take you beyond where you are today. I hope you'll take a risk and do that. So, you know, no more denial. And by the way, don't be discouraged. If you, if you uh, recognize a sin in your life, good for you. It shows you're alive. Also, no more indecision. Verse 10 says, put on the new self. Put on the new self. So that's what we get to do. We get to put on new things about us that come by the power of the Holy Spirit working in us. Now, I'm not going to say a whole lot about this because really the next paragraph is going to talk about that. But you've already experienced putting on new things. There's a new joy. There's a new peace. There's a new kind of exhilaration for life. There's a new destination we have. There's a new power in our life by which we live. And there are specific things, there's specific fruit that comes out of our life that people take note of showing that we are changed people. But I'm not going to go deeply into that because that's Luke's message next week when we get to the next passage that's all about what we get to look like and what we're heading toward as we put on all Christ has for us. But no more indecision. Third, no more micro waving. Yes, I know that's not a word. I made it up. But, but I've called it that because we, we just want everything to come fast. We know that. We want fast everything. We want quick everything. I mean, now even being in a long line of fast food restaurants when the lobby's not open and sitting in a parking lot waiting for somebody to bring it out can be unnerving to us because we, got, we, got, we have things to do, right? So it's very difficult. But we are, verse 10 also says, we are being renewed. So when we were baptized into Christ, we were declared justified. Then the process that you've heard lately through our sermons, sanctification, that's what we're going through. That's that process of putting on. I have a five-year-old granddaughter by the name of Jada. I showed, her a, uh, showed you a picture of her a couple of weeks ago. Jada is a diva. And one way she demonstrates that is by, by what she wears. 
Uh, she will not wear shorts. She will not wear pants. She only wears dresses. And every day, she'll change four or five times. She always wants something new to wear during the day. One particular day, her mother, Chelsea, was terribly exasperated. She was trying to get the kids ready to go to church, and Jada kept changing clothes. And finally, Chelsea, Jada, you've got to stop. You've got to wear this. You've got to stop changing clothes. And Jada just looked at her, just really aggravated, and said, well, it's for Jesus. Chelsea was kind of silenced. And friends, it is for Jesus. That's why we're learning to take off. And that's why we want to learn that this, this is a journey we're on. It's for Jesus. And he does what he promises. Paul the Apostle writes in Philippians 1.6, being, being confident of this, that he who began a good work in you will carry it on to the day of completion of Christ Jesus. Fourth, no more small stuff. No more small stuff. Uh, we set our sights on things above, and then we, we take off these things that haunt us, these sins that keep rearing their head. And you know, how often have you been led to frustration? Because we go to God, God, I promise I'll never do that again. You'll never see that. I'm, I'm done with that. And then it comes back. And we get discouraged through all of that. And I think one of the problems is, is that we tend to focus too small in our lives about what we're doing. It says, it says there that we are being renewed in the image of its, ourselves are being renewed in the image of its creator. Being renewed is a process and it's a long-term process. Uh, you know, you grads right now, one of the benefits of where you are, you get to dream. It's a great time of life. You have your, 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 these first few years after graduation ahead of you, maybe you're going to the military, maybe you're going to a job, maybe you're going to college or tech school, whatever it is, it's a fresh beginning. It's a new look at life and you get to dream. I hope you don't ever stop dreaming, dreaming, but sadly you will. So many of us, as we get older, we just stop dreaming. And what happens is we have this peephole mentality. We look at our lives small. So let's play a game. When I was uh, in my 20s, I, I would always buy this magazine called Games. Had all kinds of games. I love the games. And my favorite one I always went to was Eyeball Benders. So we're going to play Eyeball Benders. I'm going to show you a picture, and then I'll give you five seconds to say what it is. So here you are. Ready? Here's the first one. What is it? Wrong. It's swim goggles. All right, next. What's that? It's a peach. Next. The index of a dictionary. Thumb things there. Fingernail clippers. It's a monkey wrench. Yeah. How'd you do? Probably not so well. Why? Because you saw a little piece. And friends... We get in the Jesus Christ to have this gigantic look at the world. 
We get to hear stories of what God is doing in the world and how he's moving. We get to share each other's testimonies. I know you've all been so blessed by so many recent testimonies we've had, uh, along with our worship service of people who are growing in Christ, using their lives for Christ, exhibiting great faith in Christ. It's such a joy to hear these accounts of people who have a bigger picture, who can identify the hand of God. That's what, I just think it's so easy in life to get bogged down by the smaller issues. Now, I, I just said earlier, we have to recognize our sins. We do. But the more we can see them in light of what God is doing in the big picture of where he's taken me from, where, where the, the distance I've come and where I get to go yet in this journey, that's what inspires us. That's what lifts us above, above the mundane and the usual. Because this, this we do when we are empowered by the Holy Spirit. It's just not your effort. You know that by now. We've talked about the Holy Spirit a lot lately. He's given to us a gift. He works in us to empower us. And the primary work of the Holy Spirit is not really to make me look like Jesus. The primary work of the Holy Spirit is to glorify the Son, Jesus. And for us to do that, we have to be changed, transformed. And so that's why the Holy Spirit is a part of transforming us so that we can better glorify the Son. Remember, Luke preached this a couple of weeks ago, that great verse out of Romans 8. For those God foreknew, he also predestined to be conformed to the likeness of his Son. What a joy to get to know Jesus and to experience his fullness within. Let's not hamper that process at all. And finally, no more, no more minor motivation. No more minor motivation. You know, I believe, brothers, this is one of our problems. One of my problems is I don't hate sin badly enough. Do you? And see, we are not very good at repenting until we see how bad sin is and what it does to the heart of God, how it grieves the Holy Spirit of God, how it stunts our growth, how it robs from the testimony of the greatness and the glory of God, how it hampers the possibility of your neighbor being one to Jesus Christ, it hampers a coworker, a child, a parent, another family member, a friend, an acquaintance from knowing Jesus when we don't take sin seriously and it interrupts the process that God is on and wants to be on more deeply in our lives to change us to look like Christ. Now, here, here's the deal. When we sin and we know we need to repent, there's two places to run. One is to Mount Sinai. And those who primarily see God as a God of justice run there. They run there weeping. They will run there because that's where the law is. And they'll run there making promises to God. God, I'll never do it again. And when they do, they don't know what to do. Because they promised. They, 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 they run. God, God, because of this, God, if you'll get me out of this, look, I will, I will, I will pray more deeply. I will, I will read my Bible, more of my Bible every day. I, I'll, I'll serve harder. I'll do that. Just, just please fix this. That is not repentance. That's self-pity. We're only concerned about the consequences of the sin, the relationships that were hurt, the job that was lost, the, 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 the finances that tanked, you know, the health crisis that came. Self-pity. 
So there are those who run to Mount Sinai, but that's all it is. The other thing you can do, that's always the better, is run to Mount Calvary. And you wonder, run to Mount Calvary when you see God mostly as a God of grace. A God of grace who is willing to give up his very self to come here. We, that's why in a few moments we're going to take the Lord's Supper. That's why we're going to have these emblems mean so much to us. And we never want to keep from taking them because, not because of the items themselves, but what, because it's, it's the time we're assured we we're at the foot of the cross again. And we remember what's happened to us and for us. And there I'm not foolish enough to say, God, I'll never blow it again. I promise I won't. That's a foolish promise because the fact is I probably will. But I'll keep coming to him because every time he fell under the weight of the cross, he got up again so that every time we would fall, we could get up again as well as we saw the supreme, as we see the supreme sacrifice for our sins. And you know what? As a result, I'll probably serve harder. I'll pray more deeply. I'll spend more time in the word, but two different motivations. One motivation is to get God on my side and show pity toward me. The other one is out of such love and grace that has been shown to me once again. You know, one of my, one of our favorite, favorite texts, I think favorite of many of us is Psalm 32. that says, you are my hiding place. You fill my heart with songs of deliverance. Whenever I'm afraid, I put my trust in you. You know, whenever we make a mess of our lives, whenever we identify, when life isn't working, we're always looking for a hiding place. So we'll hide, our, we'll hide ourselves in our jobs, get busier. We hide our, our lives through the busyness of our children, we hide our lives by our finances and bank accounts, by our dreams, all of that. And all of them are temporary. All of them are fading. They are not sufficient to be our hiding place. They'll all fail us. Only Jesus Christ can be our true hiding place. And that takes us right back to the beginning of Colossians. When Paul says, set your hearts on things above where Christ is. Seated at the right hand of God. Set your mind on things above, not on earthly things. For you died and your life is now hidden with Christ in God. So take it off. That old self, that old life, keep taking it off. Take it off, keep taking it off. And begin today all for the glory of Jesus Christ. Let's pray. Oh, Father in heaven, it is our joy to break the bread of life together, the word of God, and to hear you speak to our hearts and our lives. How much we need, Father, your movement in us, how much we need the conviction of sin, how much we need to hate sin, how much we need to be done with old patterns that have not delivered. And so today, Father, we stop for these few moments to gaze at the cross of Jesus and in gazing there, Father, I pray that we find refreshment for our souls, conviction for our lives, love and grace for the journey, and all we need for a life that is full and complete. 
I pray, Father, that you will be the one who radiates in us and through us to this watching world. That though they see in us how we live, how we behave, how we speak, how we listen, how we think, how we observe, all of that will follow the pattern of Jesus Christ who lives within us. May we be done with the old and every day welcoming the new. May God be praised in Jesus' name. Amen. Thank you for listening to the podcast today. It's our desire for you to grow in your understanding of Christ's love as you partner with us in our mission to love all people to new life in Christ. If you have any questions about our church or would like to plan a visit with us, go to plainfieldchristian.com. If you would like to receive our podcast every week, we encourage you to subscribe to the Plainfield Christian Church podcast on whatever podcasting platform you prefer. Have a great week.